0: Let's pick up in James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed. Now, this is an example. He's giving an example of what this um, would be represented by. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, if there is someone in your life that you say, I love deeply, I care about immensely and you see that they're poorly clothed they lack daily food and you simply say to them i love you i love you i love you be blessed go in peace i hope you find something to wear and something to eat if you say that without giving them the things they need for their body what good are you doing do you really love that person are you really committed to them do you really want their best if all you say is hey um god bless you good luck see ya so also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So James basically right now, he, he squares up and hits us right in the spiritual gut. I mean, this hurts because he's saying, okay, you say you love God. You say you're committed to God. You say you have faith in God. But if your life doesn't demonstrate that commitment to God, you don't have faith. If you say you love someone, but you let them freeze to death and starve to death, do you really love them? If you say you love God and you have faith in God and you believe God and you're committed to God, but your life doesn't produce something that is revealed in your actions, you don't have faith. Now that word works, deeds, it's the idea of corresponding acts of obedience. If you say you have faith, but you don't have corresponding acts of obedience, then you don't really have faith. This is obvious in every other area of life. Right? If you have an automobile that won't drive, what do we say about the automobile? It's dead. If you have a refrigerator that won't keep food cold, You say the refrigerator is dead. If you have a computer that won't process anything, we say the computer's dead. If you have a marriage where the couples are disconnected, have stopped communicating, and are no longer acting towards love for each other, we say that marriage is dead. And yet when someone looks at their life and they say, I don't have corresponding acts of obedience, I have faith, we don't say your faith is dead. We say I'm struggling in my faith, I'm wrestling with obedience. I love God, but boy, this is really difficult. James says you can whitewash it any way you want. You can sugarcoat it any way you want. But if you want to get down to brass tacks, if you say all this stuff and your life doesn't reflect corresponding acts of obedience, your faith is dead. And that's hard. I mean, that's like, wow, that's that's harsh. But the whole point that James is getting at is that somehow or other, the faith that we have ought to change us, it ought to impact us, it ought to transform us. In other words, if what you call faith is not impacting how you live, what you have is not something you can call faith. You can call it a lot of things, you can call it a philosophical construct, you can call it um, uh, so, some way in which, um, you know, it's, it's, it's my values, but if they're not impacting how you live, it's not really faith. It reminds me of a story from the former Soviet Union. Uh, Nikita Khrushchev was the premier at the time, and there was a severe, severe, severe corn shortage. So much so that he called in, he called an assembly of all the leading farmers in the Soviet Union. He assembled them in this huge hall. Now, Khrushchev was a, a dynamic speaker, he was a great communicator. So, there, all these farmers are sitting there. He walks on stage, gets behind the podium, and just stares. He just stares. At this group of farmers. And the longer he stared and didn't say anything, the more tense the atmosphere became until you could almost cut it with a knife. Finally, looking out at all these farmers, he says, Who here is committed to growing corn? At that, every hand shot up. I'm committed. Oh, we're going to grow corn. Again, Khrushchev didn't say a thing. He just hand, hands on the podium and stared hands dangling in the air. It just, I mean, it felt like forever. Finally, he breaks the silence, and he says, then where is the corn?" He turns and walks off stage. That's exactly what James is doing. He's saying, are you committed to a life of faith? Are you committed to Jesus? Are you committed to saying God is the most important, presiding reality of my life? Then where are the works? In other words, if what you call faith is not impacting how you live, what you have is not something you can call faith. And that is not an easy pill to swallow. And so that's why we call it a lot of things. But we very rarely go to a a fellow uh, Christian or someone who calls themselves a Christian and say, now, brother, uh, your faith is dead. But James being an apostle, being a half brother of Jesus and being the, uh, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem felt no uh, hesitation in calling people out. So I'm not encouraging you to go out and call anyone out. This is about calling yourself out. This is about saying, is my faith alive and active? Do I see corresponding acts of obedience? Because it's so easy to try and separate what we know from what we do, our lifestyle from what we know our God talk from our God actions. But at some point, it's got to be uh, intertwined. In other words, you can believe all kinds of things. You can have all the right God language, know the terminology, know the words, go through all the, uh, the, the steps. But if it's not impacting how you live, how you obey, how you follow, corresponding acts of obedience, then your faith is dead. But here's the amazing thing, and don't don't lose sight of this: we serve a God who has resurrection power. If your faith is dead, it can come back alive. Okay, so don't don't feel like oh my faith is dead. That's it. I'm going to hell. <laughs> James is saying if your faith is dead, let's let's kindle it. Let's get it going. Let's fan a flame and get this burning in your life again. So does this mean it's all about works? God forbid. See. James wrote this letter. It's one of the earliest epistles, letters written to the churches uh, at the time. So there's no doubt that a lot of people had heard these words. So much so that Paul, a number of years later, the Apostle Paul, who had started churches in different cities, one city was a city called Ephesus, that I am sure they had heard some of these words from James. And so Paul says, I know what James wrote. And James is right. But you are misapplying it, and you're misunderstanding it. So Paul wrote this to the church in Ephesus. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves; It is a gift of God. So by by grace you are saved through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. In other words, you're not saved by works. So that's why the next part that James writes is so important, but we easily miss it. So James says this. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. So in other words, somebody, he's saying, I don't some of you are thinking, great. Uh, I hear what you're saying, James, and I think you're right. I mean, life ought to just all be, faith ought to all just be, our commitment to God ought to all just be about trying to be a good person, trying to do good things. And so it's all about works. So James, you can take care of the faith part. I'll take care of the works part. And James says, no, no, you're misunderstanding. This whole thing, not just about feeding the hungry. It's not just about caring for the poor. It's not just about helping people and being kind and being good and being generous. Those things are important and you ought to do those things. But what you believe matters. If you don't believe the right things, you're trying to do what Paul said. Earn your way into heaven. And that's not going to work. So in other words, he says, works do not earn salvation. They reveal the faith in your life. That's what he's getting at. You're not going to earn your way in. But how you live ought to reveal what you believe. There ought to be some way in which there is a uh, an overlap. So in other words, don't make faith and works a false dichotomy. They go hand in glove. They're opposite sides of the same coin. It's not either I have faith or I have works. It's I need to have both faith and works active, alive, in my life but the the sad reality is most believers and we even use this terminology in our lives most believers want to err on the side or tend to err on the side of saying it's it's all about faith right we'll even say to someone are you a believer are you a believer great james says i don't care if you're a believer are you a follower that's why the earliest church, before the name Christians came into vogue, what they would say is, are you a follower of the way? Do you follow the way of Jesus? Are you living the way he asked us to live? So James says, it's not just about believing. matter of fact, this is what he says, because he just wants to keep pounding away at this. You believe there is one God? Great. That's awesome. So do the demons. They believe there's a God, and they tremble at the fact. So it's not just about believing. Do You know, last year, 2021, uh, Gallup did a poll. And what they found was that 92% of Americans believe in God. May not be the God of the Bible, but they believe in God, the idea of God, the existence of God, the idea of uh, divinity. They believe in the idea of God. But believing is not enough. The demons believe and they're in open rebellion to God. So it's not just that I believe at some point what you believe has to come in alignment with what you do. You have to, They have to come in alignment. You have to follow. You have to be in relationship. You have to be submitted to God. You have to say, okay, I believe this. And as a result, I will have corresponding acts of obedience. In other words, faith changes or ought to change how you live. Living faith. Dead faith won't do this. Living faith changes how you live not just what you believe, and how you live is rooted in what you believe. That's why it's so important to have faith and works come together in a real, substantive way. Who's ever heard of a body of water called the Dead Sea? Okay, do you know why it's called the Dead Sea? If you do, don't answer. I'll answer for you. Uh, it's It's called the Dead Sea because the mineral content in the Dead Sea, is so high, it's so rich with minerals, that it can't support life. And the reason that it's so full of minerals is that the water that flows in has no outlet. There's no way for the water to escape. And so the minerals just build up and build up and build up, but there is no life. Now, what does that mean? It means you can be a spiritual Dead Sea. You can know all kinds of things. You can read the Bible. You can have books of the Bible memorized. You can know all kinds of truth about God, theology, uh, uh, eschatology. and You can have all this knowledge up here. But if it doesn't flow out of your life in works, in deeds, in corresponding acts of obedience, in ways that reflect how God asks us to live, to speak, to move, to have our being, you're going to have a head full of minerals and a body full of death because that faith won't work. It's not alive. It's not active. There's no spiritual blood coursing through your spiritual veins. There's no spiritual breath of the Holy Spirit inside your spiritual lungs. It is not going to work. It will never work. And there are so many followers of Jesus who are not following Jesus. They simply are knowing all about Jesus. And James says, I don't care how much you know. Knowing is important. I'm not saying don't learn. I'm not saying don't study. I'm not saying don't dive into God's word. I'm saying at some point, it's got to change. Or it's just knowledge. That's what James is getting at. And so he says, now, I know I've thrown a lot at you. And and I hope this has wrecked you a little bit. So I just want to bring this home. He's saying, I want you to understand because what so many of us do is we read the first part and he talks about if you see someone that's hungry or naked and you don't feed them or clothe them, then you don't have faith. And so we make faith about that. And to be sure, the Bible is replete. The New Testament is full of commands to care for the poor, the the hungry. We, We ought to do that. But James point is not that faith is lived out in just a bunch of good deeds. That, uh, you know, just social justice. He's, so he says, I want to give you some examples from the Jewish history. Plug right out of their history on what faith with corresponding acts of obedience actually looks like. So here he says, starting in verse 20. You want me to show you, oh foolish man, what that faith without works is dead? So you're wondering what this looks like? I'm going to explain I'm going to show you, you know, your good Jewish, uh, your, your Jewish uh, your ancestry become followers of Jesus let me explain this to you was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar can you not see how faith worked together with his works and by works faith was made perfect now that's a whole feels like a run-on sentence so what he's saying is listen Abraham was given a command God said this is what I want you to do I want you to go sacrifice your son to me i want i want to know that your commitment to me is greater than anything else and abraham didn't say i believe that oh i'm committed to you more than anything absolutely i believe that i have that faith in my heart no abraham said okay i do believe that i have that faith in my heart as a result it's going to move me to act in obedience and so he took his son and he brought him and laid him on the altar. And God intervened and said, listen, I, I don't want you to kill your son. I just wanted to know if you would walk in obedience. I wanted to know if your faith was real. The scripture then was fulfilled, which says, God, Abraham believed God. And it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see then how by works a man is justified, not by faith alone. I have people say, all we need is faith. No, all you don't need is faith. You need real faith, but real faith will be lived out in real actions. So yes, in some sense, you could say all you need is faith, but it's got to be real. It's got to be genuine. It's got to be authentic. It's what we started this series talking about. By works, a man is justified, not by faith alone. Likewise, was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers, the spies, and sent them out another way? As a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So he comes back full circle and says, now, this is what corresponding acts of obedience looks like. So yes, you need faith, but faith has to be manifest in your life in real demonstrative ways. Otherwise, it's not functional faith. It's dead Faith. and dead faith isn't going to change you, it's not going to sustain you, it's not going to help you to live a life that honors God. Now, just to put your mind at ease, as I said earlier, we are not, 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 everyone's saying not. Okay, we are not saved by works. I don't want text. You say we're saved by works. We're not saved by works. We're saved by faith. But if your faith is not active and alive and revealed in works. The works won't save you. The works reveal that your faith is real. Works do not make your faith real. Works show that your faith is real. So this isn't works-based. It's about saying at some point, how I live, how I behave, how I order my life ought to be reflective of how God wants me to live, behave, things i say the things i do i ought to i ought to be connected to the local church i ought to serve i ought to share my faith with other people i ought to be kind i ought to lay down my life i ought to deny myself i have to live by god's standards i have to stand by his word so it's what you know and what you do have to all be integrated in your life so what does this mean it means it should cause all of us to ask ourselves some really hard, deep, probing questions. Questions that we don't ask ourselves a lot because we'd rather just kind of flutter through life and say, I'm a believer, and I'm going to get to heaven. But James says, you're a believer, but are you behaving like a follower? So you've got to ask yourself some questions like, is my life reflective of what I believe? Have I come to God intellectually and accepted him as my forgiver. But I'm not living for him as my follower, as a follower, as my leader. I'm not following him as my leader. I've accepted him as my forgiver, but I'm not accepting of him as my leader. That's a question you can ask yourself. You could ask yourself um, a question along the lines of this. Um, okay. I'm a person that, that, that believes that uh, I need to do good works. So have I made my life all about just doing good works? Because if I do good works, I'll get into good, God's good graces. But you haven't realized God doesn't just want you to do good things for him. He wants you to submit your life to him. Those are some hard questions. you got to ask yourself, is there a gap between what I say I believe Between how I act, is there a gap between how I act and what I believe? In other words, I can earn my way into heaven and I don't believe. I really don't have to matter if I believe or not. Or I can believe all this stuff and it doesn't matter how I act. If there's a gap in your life, then you need to bridge that gap. And here's the good news. God will rekindle that. He doesn't ask you to fix it all at once. What he asks you to do is begin to take a first step and then another step. And another step when he asks you and leads you and calls you and guides you and reveals things to you. He says, Take a step, take another step, take another step. And each step closes that gap. Because too many of us want to put our faith over here, our life over here, and there's a big chasm. And God says, I want this, not this. So you have to ask yourself those hard questions. And it's gonna it's gonna rub you because some of us are all works-based. Some of us are all faith-based, but James says faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. So let me flesh this out for you. Uh, in just a few minutes, as Isaac shared, we're going to do some baptisms, and it's so exciting. And you know what I love about baptisms? It's this in action. I've come to faith in Jesus Christ. It's an inner faith. I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. That's an inner faith. And now they're going to take a, a step, an outward act. obedience. Jesus himself was baptized. We're commanded in the Bible, repent, uh, believe, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's a command. So they're saying, these folks are saying, I am going to take this first step. And it's an outward step of an inward faith. And that's wonderful. But it doesn't end there. If their faith ends there, eventually, they will stop uh, growing. So they need to grow. They need to stay connected to the church. They need to stay committed to uh, living a life that's honoring to God. They need to do the things he asks them to do, because if they don't, this work won't save them. This work is never intended to save them. But if they say, OK, I did this. It doesn't matter what I do the rest of my life. That, that's not going to work either. They have to believe the right things, and then they have to live the way God asks them to live. And so that's, that's what baptism is. It's that first step. But for so many of us, we want to separate those things out. But here's what we need to remember. Living faith means that what you believe compels you to do the things God asks. Living faith, not dead faith, living faith. Faith that's alive and active and coursing through the veins of your spiritual body. Compels you to say, God asked me to do this, I'm going to do it. That doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. I mean, why would I give this amount? That, 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 that's bizarre, but I'm going to do it because it's what God asked me to do. Why am I going to stop the car and knock on that door and pray for that person? That makes no sense, but God's asking me to do it, so I'm going to do it. Why am I going to stand in front of 300 some people and get dunked in a tank of water? Because God, ask me to do it. There's a spiritual component. There's all kinds of things that are involved in it, but at the simplest bedrock reality, it's an act of obedience. Faith without corresponding acts of obedience is dead. It's not alive. It's worthless. It's not going to help you. It's not going to change you. It's not going to transform you. So it's not just about believing the right things and it's not just about being a good person. It's about saying my faith is so alive, it's so real, it's so active, it's so meaningful to me that it's going to compel me to walk in obedience to my God. Whatever he asks me to do, I will do it. And I'm not going to be uh, intimidated by the culture, by the world, or by anything. This is what God asks me to do, I'll do it. Not being presumptuous, we've talked about hearing the voice of God, seek wise counsel, Make sure that you're you're submitted to people that will speak life into you. Make sure it's found in the word of God. This isn't just about going out and being crazy. But it is about saying, I no longer just want to know a bunch of stuff about God. I want people to know about God because I'm doing a bunch of stuff. Because of what I know. Because of what I believe. But it's not just about saying, I'm going to be a good person because I know the right things, or because I do the right things. It's about saying, I am going to be a transformed person who does the things God asks me to do. Being a good person will never get you there. If you're good in what you think, what you believe, or if you're good in what you do, God says, I want all of you. So what does that mean? It means you need to believe some things. You need to believe that Jesus came as God in human form. He lived a perfect life he died a brutal death for your sins and for my sins and for the sins of all humanity and three days later he was raised from the dead and because he was raised from the dead if we place our faith in him he will take away all our sins cleanse us from all unrighteousness we can have new life in christ and he can change us and transform us And that Jesus then ascended to the right hand of God the Father and there he's seated making intercession for us and he sent the Holy Spirit to indwell us so that we're not trying to do this by our own might, by our own strength, by our own power, but him in us. You have to believe those things. But if all you do is believe that and it never changes you and it never uh, transforms your life in some way that says I act different, I speak different, I treat people different. I obey God, not because I have to, but because I want to. And that hasn't really changed. you. Now, please hear me. Some of you have loved ones. Died in a hospital bed. And last days, weeks, months of their life, they made a profession of faith. And you say they never had a chance to live out works. Well, praise God, we're not saved by works. So don't, don't worry. If their faith was real, they're in heaven. Praise God, but don't live a life saying, "I'm going to hope I have the last minute I can live everywhere I want, and then at the last minute I'll call on God and get out of this." Listen, that's playing as playing a game of roulette. It may come up red, it may come come up black. You don't know what you're going to get. Why risk that? Why risk that? Live a life that honors God, that pleases God, and store up for yourself treasure. So what does that mean? It means for some of you, what you need to do is do some business with God. So I'm going to ask if everyone would stand to their feet. I'm not going to pray for everyone right now. I'm going to ask you to begin to think about what you need to pray about. Because I don't think there's a person here who doesn't have something to pray about in response to this message. You might need to pray something like, God, I've called myself a Christian. I know a lot about you. I show up to church just about every Sunday. But boy, at work, in my neighborhood, The things I watch, the things I fill my brain with, the words I use, the way I treat my family, it is. If people saw that, they would say, faith without works is dead. Faith without corresponding acts of obedience. You might say, I believe in God, but he's asked me to do a lot of things in the Bible and in my own personal life. Give, share, serve, attend. And I don't do that stuff. Faith without works is dead. Some of you say... I've been trying to be a really good person for a really long time. That's not going to work either. At some point, you have to say, God, I don't want to try and be a good person. I want you to change me into a good person. And as you change me, my behavior will follow. Some of you you might be saying, I'm committed to God. I love God. I have faith in God. And I'm trying my best to live the way he asked me to live with those corresponding acts of obedience. And maybe for you, you simply cry out, God, I'm still here. I'm still committed. I'm still yours. And I still need your help. Because my life's not done. And I want to finish this race well. So God help me. I don't know what you need to pray. But we all have something to pray about. For some of you, you might say, this is just between me and God. That's fine. For some of you, as we sing this next song, you may say, I want someone to pray with me you want to take that first step and just step out, make your way up front, and let someone pray with you and for you and join their faith with your faith. And make this a, a stake in the ground. And for some of you, it may be a bold step. It may be saying in the next few moments, I didn't plan this. I didn't think I was going to do this. But I want to get baptized. I want to take that step and show everybody that outwardly my faith is alive. It's not just inward. We've got you covered. If you didn't plan on getting baptized, we have everything you need. Just make your way during this next song. Go to the guest service table. Someone will get you shorts and a T-shirt. Everything you need, you can be baptized right now, today. Join these other folks and say, I'm going to take this first step of obedience. It doesn't end there, but for some of us, it's going to start there. So as we pray, as this song is played, do some prayer. Business with the Lord. And if you'd like prayer, please come forward. Let someone pray with you and for you.